What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us on Concept Tuesday. Today is July 20th. How's your week so far? How's your Tuesday? On today's show, going to talk about uh, off-season work. What I do in the off-season, what it takes to get ahead when a lot of the work is done. I mean, look, in the world of sports betting, there's not much going on right now. Not many games, not many things to pick. And it's true. There are a lot of handicappers who have been doing this for a long time take some time off in late July. But for me, you know, I'm someone who... My systems are still working. I'm still getting everything ironed out. There are some people who, you know, are pretty much on autopilot right now. And that's what I'm doing for hockey and soccer. I have enough of a model built and sort of what I use built to where any trades, any player uh, changes, any, you know, the Seattle Kraken, they're going to have a brand new hockey team here in tomorrow. Tomorrow's a draft. And I will be able to quickly identify how good they are, at least from my projections, how good they are, what the line should be in all their games. It's going to be quick, you know? So uh, what I do is, for those who don't know, for those who are new to the show, I uh, am a data scientist. I use Python and computer code to create my lines and my uh, numbers and I pull my information from different sources online, usually via APIs. You guys can look up what APIs are. It's just a way of accessing information on the back end of a website. So I have built already kind of in place a system for hockey and soccer. And that's been, you know, I've developed that for a couple of years. And so now the off season for hockey and soccer, anything that happens is already accounted for, or it just gets kind of plugged into the system and it does its job. Now I upgrade, I maintain, or I upgrade, I maintain, I add to those different systems, but really there's not much that needs to be done at this point. Uh, Football, on the other hand, is a sport where I am sort of just getting into the profitable uh, profitable part of where I can bet football and feel comfortable about it long-term. Up until this point in my career, I've bet football a little bit here, a little bit there, but nothing serious, nothing major that's going to change this season. I have dedicated my entire offseason this year to learning and studying and, and looking at the numbers and advanced data for the NHL, or uh, excuse me, for the NFL and college football. So on today's show, we'll talk about this offseason, what I'm doing this offseason, how I'm handicapping, and I'll give you guys a list of things you all should be doing aside from writing code and doing complex things like that. Something everyone can do or a checklist everyone can follow to get ready for whatever sport you're preparing for, whether it's Premier League or next season in, in, in the NBA, or football, whatever it might be, a handicapping checklist. Uh, special thanks to Better Edge. Better Edge is making everything more fun for the sports better. Now, yes, they do offer VIG-free betting. That's like one of the cool, coolest parts, VIG-free betting. But I want to talk today about the social aspect, because really, when it comes down to it, Better Edge is not a sports book, quote unquote. They are technically a social platform where you can legally sports bet. 
Now, that enables a lot of you guys to bet in states where you can't legally sports bet yet, like California. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. I know like Georgia, South Carolina. You can't bet yet. It's not legal to sports bet, but you can legally use Better, legally use better Edge and uh, bet on there VIG free. You can make a profile, follow your friends. There's a lot of cool competitions and tournaments and... Uh, it's just a lot of fun. So you can make more money, have more fun, get your friends on there, get your coworkers on there, get your family members on there, and start playing together. Online, betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, like a sports better. Use promo code SHARP for a free $10, and uh, that also lets them know we sent you right here on the Sharp Angle Podcast. Online, betteredge.com, promo code SHARP. All right, so what I do all offseason, all offseason is where I get most of my work done. I know a lot of people, like I said, take the off-season off, but the off-season is really where I do most of my substantial, profitable work. And once the season comes, you don't have time to be tweaking these systems, tweaking these models. And I do want to be careful about something or just clarify something. If you spend any time on Twitter, the whole, these words algorithm, model, system, they're all just overused and beaten into the ground now. And I almost feel hacky myself saying these things, but I just don't know what else to call it to separate myself from from that. <laughs> you know. But essentially, what this is, for those who don't know, because even my friends who handicap or who bet a little bit, you know, wonder about how I do what I do. It's all Python, and you guys can look up Python online and see examples, but it's all done in Python. And pretty much, you just give the computer instructions, and it executes those instructions. And there's a lot of different things you can do, different techniques you can do using computer power. So any algorithm out there is only as good as its creator. It's only as smart as the person giving it the instructions. That's why, I mean, really, there's a lot of people out there with models and with with systems they use, but most of them are actually, you know, utterly useless. They're not winning systems. It's one thing to be able to have the acumen and, and, and skills to create a complex algorithm to predict games. It's another one to have one better than the sports books and to beat the sports books at what they're trying to do after they charge minus 110, unless you're on better edge. So it's a complex thing and you have to have ways of approaching these games. So like I said, it, these any system out there, it doesn't matter whether it's... Put, well, let's get to that in a second. Any system out there is only as good as its creator. And most models, most systems don't actually work. They're actually not profitable. And the way I test systems and the way a lot of people do who have access to databases is simple. You just go back and back test. Say, how would my numbers do against the, the, the market's closing numbers over the course of one year, three years, five years, so on and so forth? Then you can see, are you getting closer and closer to a profitable system? So first thing, most systems aren't even profitable. And once a system or model becomes public and goes online and you can now pay a subscription to use certain services, it becomes even more useless. Because once it's public, I don't care whether it's 100 or or $1,000 a month to join, 
Every sports book will have all of that information. I guarantee you, every sports book pays to be part of these things and pays to have the information because they don't want anything going undetected. So once something becomes public, it's it's pretty much useless. That's why a couple years ago, before I took these classes and before I got a degree in data science and went back to school, I was looking to hire someone to build one of these things for me. And I talked to a lot of different people. And the closest I got was this guy in, in Houston. I'm not going to say his name or his company, but they were quoting me about $20,000 to build this, this system. And he said, well, once it's built and once this is all good and up and running, if it's profitable, you can just put it online and make a monthly profit from people using it. And before this is a long time ago before I knew what I know now about sports betting. And back then I was like, oh, that's awesome. I can make money, old subscription, put it out there. Now it's like I've realized how much goddamn time and effort and nights and crossing something off and starting over and crumpling it up and throwing it in the trash can and starting from scratch and then the hours and the hours and the hours. Once I finally did the work to get a winning system, the last thing I wanted to do was just give it away and put it out there and let the world know about it. I don't want anyone else betting into the angles I'm betting in. It's hard to be a sports better. Once you find something, you want to keep it to yourself. That's why I think it's hysterical. All these people on Twitter giving picks out for free. It's like, feel free to drop a tip. We're 75% this month. It's like, it's really? If you're really a winning sports better and done the work to achieve what it takes to be in that 0.01%, you're just going to give it out for free. So either way, I'm off on a tangent. Let's get back to off-season work and what I've been doing this off-season. As I said, hockey and soccer, pretty much on autopilot for me. Anything that happens gets plugged in. I've already quantified everything. I have done some tweaking, but that was you know, months ago, right when hockey ended or, you know, when hockey was in the playoffs, I was getting ready for next season and soccer, right? When that was over, you know, you're you're tweaking, adjusting, getting ready for next year, because once you do have a system that's up and running and, and, and profitable, you want to make changes as quick as possible. You don't want to wait two or three months and have some of those ideas fade or slip away, or, you know, you lose them. You want to make those changes as quick as you can. And now for football, like I've said, this is my first season really betting football heavily. So that's why I'm doing all this football work. And that's what I've been focusing on, the NFL and college football. And that's been taking most of my time. So what have I been doing? How do you prepare for a sport if you're going to dive in and take it on as a new avenue? Well, the first thing that I do is take a look at all of the advanced data that's available within that sport publicly. Because like I said, if anything's public and being used by anyone, we want to have that information too. So you find all the data, all the public information that you can, that you can, and you collect that. And then you go back and pull as much history and as much data as you can. Now, for those who want to use this kind of system that I do, I use APIs, and then I go back, and you can kind of find information that way. Now, you can also use Excel and download Excel files, you know, there's a lot of websites you can do that. Or if you want to be hands-on, you can just go to ESPN and write down scores from, from years past. But either way, you're going to want to find and collect all the information you can. And the important stuff is the advanced data. We, we pretty much know or you know have an idea how many touchdowns, yards, and interceptions Tom Brady threw for last year. But I would be interested in knowing what is pro football focus has his efficiency ranked, right? What is he... Uh, three-step drop compared to five-step drop, things like that, advanced stats that are already out there. So you want to compile as much of that as you can. 
And then something fun that I think is underrated that a lot more people should be doing is making your own stats. You don't have to be an advanced mathematician to create your own stats. Now, there's two ways I go about making my own stats that I use. The first way is simply multiplying or dividing or adding stats that exist. You know, it's like in baseball, OPS. It's on-base percentage combined with slugging. You just multiply the two together. So you can do that in other sports. I'm not going to give any of mine away because as I've said before, I don't just want to come on here and give all my secrets away. I'd rather teach how to fish rather than, you know, just giving these. But think of it that way. You can multiply, add, divide, whatever you think. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be obviously correlated. You could take an efficiency rating on one website and multiply with that with a QBR on another website. You know, just get creative and see if things make sense after it's all said and done. So that's one way, is taking stats that already exist and just manipulating them, multiplying, adding, dividing, and making your own stats based on existing stats. The other way, and this is more labor-intensive, is to go back and create brand new stats from things that are not being tracked right now. And I will give one example as to what I'm doing this year in football along that along those lines. I have separated interceptions into several different categories because right now, it doesn't matter whether you look at Pro Football Focus or NFL.com or ESPN or any advanced websites, I haven't found anyone that has interception categories for quarterbacks. And now if you may say, what are you talking about, Tyler? A pick's a pick. Okay, answer me this. Do you think an interception, first and goal, from the eight-yard line is the same thing as an interception third and 20 from your own 35 and you throw a deep pass, kind of like a punt that gets intercepted. Are those two interceptions looked at equally or should they be looked at equally? I think absolutely not. One is pretty much a good thing for your team. Maybe that was just as far, if not further than a punt. You flipped the field. You know, you were on your own 35. It was third and 20, not a high likelihood, you know, not a high chance you're going to convert anyway. So you throw it deep downfield. They pick it off. Now what? They have it at their own 20, 25? Compared to a quarterback throwing an interception, first and goal from the eight-yard line. They both right now, no matter where you look, are looked at as the same interception. Not with me. I have now divided those interceptions into different categories, which makes it, to me, more accurate to grade and, and, and quantify how good a quarterback really is. So that's an example of creating your own stat based on nothing they're tracking right now. And you do have to go back and either look at play-by-play or the turnovers for every game or go watch game film or whatever. There are ways to do this. It's much more labor-intensive to do that. But just know, you don't have to be a mathematician to create your own stats. And that's something I do quite a lot of. Something else that takes a lot of my time is quantifying information. I want to know during the season, okay, if the right tackle for the Chicago Bears gets hurt, what does that do to the line? What should it do to the line? Should it move it a half point? Should it move it any? Should it move it a point? So I want to know these things before the season starts. I want to get all of this figured out and ironed out. So it's pretty much in a folder, you know, to where I can go, hey, what does this equal? And, you know, what would happen? And I, I wouldn't have it in a folder. I would obviously put it into my current system. But that's the idea to quantify everything down to the individual player. We're quantifying teams. We're quantifying stadiums. We're quantifying travel. We're quantifying what their schedules are going to look like. Everything that we're going to use during the year, we want to turn into a number right now. Okay, if Tom Brady gets hurt 
It's not enough to say, oh, Tom Brady's hurt. I'm betting against the Bucs. We have to know what we think Tom Brady's worth. If the Bucs are a seven-point favorite and Tom Brady gets hurt and now the game's a pick that means the market has Tom Brady at about seven points. Well, if we have Tom Brady worth 10 points, we would think that's an under-adjustment and we would take the other team. If we think Tom Brady's worth two points, we think that's an over-adjustment and we would still take Tampa Bay. So that matters. Quantifying information is one of the most important things a handicapper can do. And that takes a lot of my time the offseason, quantifying different information. And last, I boil all this down into power rankings. And it usually gives me one final number or a couple different numbers, like an offensive, defensive rating, home away, things like that. But now I have my power ratings that I can use. And all of this work in the offseason It's funny. It kind of seems, yeah, why don't you relax a little bit? Take some time off. This is where I grind. This is where I put in most of the work because during the year, like I said, there's not much time to alter or change or tweak your models. You just kind of buckle up and go. So if I'm really going to bet football this year, all of my work comes in right now. All right, let's get to our handicapping off-season checklist. So anyone can do this. It doesn't require any specific math, anything like that. This is a checklist everyone right now listening can do to prepare for whatever sport you're planning on betting. Number one, what are the roster changes? Mark down every roster change, whether it's a a rookie that was drafted or someone who was traded or free agents. Mark down every single roster change. That's the first thing you're going to want to do. Second, the coaching changes. What's going on with the coaching staff? Any coaching changes? How will that impact player-coach relations? And how will that impact the product we see on the field? Is the coach more of a running coach? Is he an offensive guy who's going to pass the ball a lot? Is it going to impact what stats we see on the field? What is going on with the coaching situation? Third, what are the stadium changes? Is Is a team moving into a new stadium? Did any stadiums get new turf? Did any stadiums adjust the lighting or the AC or anything? Look at these small changes stadium by stadium. Is there any difference? And you may say, Tyler, this do we really need to go this in depth? Absolutely. If you're going to find little half percent edges here or there, you've got to be up to date on everything we're talking about. Number four, player upgrades and downgrades. It's not enough just to track what are the roster changes, You've got to have an idea of who's going to progress, who's going to regress. What is this team going to look like after one year? If it's a, if it's a, a, in basketball, the NBA, if it's a young team like the Nuggets or the Phoenix Suns, we can expect them to get better after a year. And if it's an older team, like uh, maybe the Lakers, who, who have you know some older players, what are they going to look like after a year of development, right? So you have to upgrade and downgrade just based on who's on the roster, What are those guys left over from last year going to do this season? Number five, new player integration. I I personally have what's called a new player integration index to where I grade or I rate or I put on a scale. How good is this fit? Okay, if Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos, you have to know, is it a good fit? Is it a good scheme fit? Is it a style fit? You can't just say, oh, good player, Denver's going to be better. Well, how much better? How does it impact everyone around him? So, you know, while you you may not have an index or anything like that, just sit back and use your football knowledge and say, okay, this player now on this team, how does that change what we would predict? And last, 
know all the rule changes. There are changes every year in the NFL and college football. You have to know the rule changes if you're going to be up to date on on how that's going to impact handicapping. And uh, I, I quickly also want to mention what doesn't matter because that's a checklist for things that do matter. What doesn't matter quite yet is taking into account the schedule, the travel, and potential trades, okay? Now, I know we mentioned earlier we want to quantify what the schedule means or the, the, the miles they'll travel, but it doesn't matter yet. If there's a team that has three games on the road in three weeks in December, it's a lot of travel, we'll take that into account in December. We want to quantify right now what it will mean, but we will, we'll take that into account later on. So right now, the schedule, the travel, that doesn't matter yet. And also potential trades, if we're going to grade Green Bay, we have to assume Aaron Rodgers is playing. Now, that may change. That may quickly, you know, he may get traded. He may get moved in the next week. We don't know. But we aren't in the business of speculating. We're not in the business of, well, he could go here. What if he goes here? Now, if we're betting futures bets, that may be the case. But if we're simply predicting, you know, the NFC North or how good Green Bay is going to be, we have to assume what we have now. And what we have now is Aaron Rodgers is a part of the Green Bay Packers. Is he disgruntled? Yes. Do we do we downgrade Green Bay on that? Yes. But we make those updates and make those changes based on the fact that Aaron Rodgers will still be there. Any potential trades, anything like that, you make the adjustments when it happens. That's why quantifying information before these things happen is so important. And that, uh, that does it for today's show. The off-season of a pro handicapper. A lot of guys take the time off. Go, go vacation. And I don't blame them. I'm taking a, a quick little trip to Vegas at the end of the month. But besides that, you know, I've been spending my time getting ready for football. Because you better believe, come NFL and college football, I think I'm going to be prepared and ready to hit the ground running. I'm not going to take... You're, you're going to hear and read a lot of handicappers out there who say this. Oh, you know what? I'm not a big better at the beginning of the year. I like to see how things are going to go, let things settle down, then I start betting a month or so in. A lot of people say that. Almost everyone I know who bets says that. That's not how I do my work. Consistently, for the last four years, I always make the most money at the beginning of the year because of the, all the work I put in in the offseason. I think it's crucial. I think it's important, and it's how I do my job. All right, thanks for listening. Good luck, whatever you guys have going on today or tonight. NBA Finals, Game 6, who you got? We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle.